hello and welcome to the Retail Is podcast. I'm Joey Morgan and I'm joined as always by Kylie Ross Seibert. And today we have Chris Shelton, co-owner of Cure Coffee House with us. Uh, thank you, Chris, for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. Nice to be yeah, so, here. So let's get right into it. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of the background of Cure uh, Coffee House, how you got started and um, a little bit about that. Well, how long is this podcast? Well, we got about 25 to 30 minutes. So, okay. uh, all right. So, uh, in mind. Uh, you know, it started, well, a little more than 10 years ago. Uh, my business partner and I, we've been friends for, I guess, about 10 years at that point. Um, you know, just thinking how one day we could have a business and not have to work for the man, so to speak. And uh, a lot of those conversations, happened behind a bar and uh, one day we made some pastrami Reuben sandwiches at home so we smoked the meat put the sandwich together and and that was kind of the <clears throat> light bulb moment and we thought man this is such a good product that we can turn it into a restaurant so let's do that one sandwich <laughs> one sandwich yeah, like it's that beer and sandwiches lead to yeah, coffee beer, so we'll see how this goes so, so that's where it started. And, uh, you know, as we sort of progressed over the summer of 2010 with, with the idea and putting together a, uh, a terrible business plan, um, uh, we added coffee to the mix because we had found a location right there on the cobblestone street and realized there was, you know, such a dense population, but no coffee shop within um, walking distance uh, of that particular block. You're talking about Ghent? No, this was uh, Freemason. Freemason, that's right. Yeah, the, the Norfolk location right there. You know, at the time you had um, a latte cafe up on Granby Street was the closest that direction and probably um, Starbucks and Fair, Fairgrounds in Ghent were the next closest, right? So both of those locations are a better part of a mile away. Anyway, we added coffee and then we thought, well, people, um, you know, stop drinking coffee, what, four or five o'clock in the afternoon at the latest. So uh, what are we gonna um, load them up with after that? So we added uh, alcohol to the, to the product mix then too. And uh, that, was, that was kind of the genesis. We uh, found the location, we found some, um, financing through SBA Express Loan facilitated by BB&T. Shout out to that. They got us started uh, way back when. Um, started doing the build out, did the build out entirely by ourselves except for a, uh, the angle of the bar. We didn't, you know, it was a very expensive piece of wood and we didn't want to screw that cut up. So we had um, <clears throat> my business partner's carpenter uncle come in and and make that cut. But everything else you see in there was, you know, basically built with our bare hands. That's all awesome. you guys have your own tools and everything, or did you rent or? No, we had, we had our, our own tools. And Is that a hobby of yours or a, something you stick to a lot? Uh, well, my dad was always, a, you know, builder of sorts. And, uh, and my business partner's father, also a builder of sorts and a, you know, master electrician and so, you know, between our families and friends and we had the tools and know-how and, you know, you just get to it. And yeah, frankly, that's what entrepreneurship is about. It's just get to it, get it done, figure out how to do it. Um, 
if you don't know how to do it and don't know how to figure out how to do it, then do it anyway and learn by mistakes <laughs> until it's done. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of you know, one, one step at a time and hopefully most of those steps are in the right direction. So how long did you say it took you between sort of that decision, getting the space and opening? Can you repeat that? Sorry. How long did it take you between? Oh, uh, I guess we signed the lease in uh, early October of 2010. Uh, we thought we would open by, say, mid-December, uh, and we actually opened February 26th of 2011. Nice. So, was that five, four, five months? And did you have, like, day jobs at the time, or was this your full-time... Yeah, we pretty much always carried day jobs um, throughout the, you know, 10 years that we've been open. Um, my business partner still retains the same day job that he had, though I've had, you know, many shifts in between. Um, so we, yeah, it's always, I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't call it a side hustle. I would say a second job, you know, really. <clears throat> Though, you know, through, through the 10 years, there have been varying degrees of, uh, of, you know, active management on our parts. And, you know, usually there'll be a life change in either my, my life or my business partner's life. For example, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky for an MBA um, for <clears throat> almost two years. And, well, he's uh, started with, you know, zero children and now has three. <laughs> so his life has, you know, changed in various ways too. And we kind of uh, pick up the slack where the other one, you know, has to, has to move further onto the, you know, back burner for a little while. And, you know, that, that is one of the many reasons that I would recommend always starting a business with a business partner. Um, you know, if it's anything more than a sole proprietorship, sole proprietorship, you know, like, you know, some creative sort of thing where you're, you know, better off on your own. But if it's a, you know, a business with bricks and mortar and all this, just have a business partner, right? Yeah. I mean, what would you say are the pros and cons to having that? I mean, obviously the pro, you know, financial help mm -hmm. <laughs> and physical support too, you know? Yeah. 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 So, so you want to make sure that that partner has sufficiently different skill sets from your own. Okay. Because if you have the same skill sets, then one of you doesn't need to be there. So, um, you know, in, in our relationship, I'm have always been more the, you know, accounting financial sort of um, soft leadership kind of skill sets. And uh, Mike is, you know, definitely more the operational uh, menu guidance, uh, Mr. Fix-It on the uh, refrigeration equipment and espresso equipment. Um, you know, I, I would say that he's got, uh, you know, a more stern uh, focus on some ideas where, you know, I'm more loose and mm -hmm. am happy to include our, uh, our staff in decisions. And, you know, so we kind of play off each other. You can play good cop, bad cop kind of mm -hmm. thing. Uh, the challenges of having a business partner are, well, you have to, you know, have two people's input always. And before you move in a direction, you definitely want to 
I mean, you can still have a difference of opinion, but you have to make the decision. You have to go in one direction or the other uh, for most of the decision points. So the other person has to at least be okay with moving in that direction and fully embrace that decision um, so that you're not working against one another. Yeah. I mean, did you ever think when, like if you're a couple of years away when you did your MBA and, you know, like what happens when, if one of you, just said, you know what, I, I've had enough, you know, I go, you know, that to me would be a negative. Uh, if you're not both all in, I mean, you've had 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, what happens if your partner just went, sorry, you know, but was that, did you discuss that at the beginning to say, look, if I want out, you have to buy me out. Kylie has trust issues. Evidently. <laughs> 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 That is another part, I think, of being an entrepreneur is just willing to shrug off the um, inherent and obvious risk of a situation like that. Uh, I would, you know, what I know now, if I knew that then, I would strongly recommend developing an operating agreement um, in which those sorts of situations are outlined before going into partnership. Uh, We were young and dumb and did not, but we had been friends for, you know, 10 or so years before that and, you know, knew one another's ethic overall. So just didn't seem much of a concern to us that, you know, it was, you know, we, I guess we realized we were kind of going into a marriage like partnership, you know, for better or worse till death do you part. And so that's kind of, I wouldn't recommend that (laughs) going into business. It has worked out for us. uh, And we've been very, we just have worked together. There's certainly been periods, you know, where, where we strongly disagreed on a direction, but again, you come to terms with, you know, knowing that you have to make a choice one way or the other, Um, one has to yield to the other and then embrace that decision and, and plow forward. Mm-hmm. So with your decision-making, with the two of you, you mean you've got a really good like, leadership team too, like your managers in, in the Smithfield and Norfolk locations. They're How wonderful. involved do you get with them, them in, sort of in the decision-making? And yes, it's kind of ebbed and... I'm sorry, so in, in terms of the decision-making yeah, like, power that we give them? Yeah, like... How much autonomy do they have yeah. managing their locations? Mm-hmm. How much input do they have in the decision making? Mm-hmm. And you know, and, yeah, how is that balanced? Um, I, I, I don't know if it's ever quite in balance. Um, <laughs> it has been imbalanced one way or the other uh, from time to time throughout the last 10 years. We've probably had, I'm going to say, like a good five or six. Um, number one managers through the years uh and again with our uh, my business partner and i with our you know day jobs and the commitments therefore and families and stuff it's sort of ebbed and flowed um our involvement with the management and and of course the the more we are involved the the better job that they uh, seem to do um you know we've had good and bad uh, experiences in that regard, but now we we absolutely and you know for the last um, 
quite a little bit now. We've had just a wonderful management team who is wholly invested in, in the, the business, the growth of the business, the customer experience, um, and, you know, paying attention to profitability measures mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, making sure our margins are <clears throat> where they need to be. Of course, all of that was blown way out of the water three months ago and yeah. rolled out. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were absolutely heroes in pivoting the business such that we can still deliver, you know, a, a reasonable experience that our customers expect. Uh, we never skipped a beat on closing and, and I give them all the credit in the world. Uh, you know, meanwhile, we were managing, uh, my business partner and I were managing the prospects of maybe not having the business in three months because how are we going to sustain, you know, a, a daily loss um, for months out? Of course, we were lucky to get the PPP loan and, you know, that's kind of for the time being settled out. Um, but we gave our managers considerable amount of um, decision-making authority to, to manage that pivot. But all along the way, throughout the last 10 years, we've always encouraged them and empowered them to, uh, to make decisions on their own, uh, preferably good decisions. <laughs> but if it's a bad decision, make sure we learn from it um, and, and use that learning to not make the mistake again and you know, build a stronger business going forward. Yeah, I think, you know, my business partner and I have learned alongside them how to, how to, you know, manage a business, let alone a restaurant business through the years. We didn't really have any, any experience, so to speak, in the business before we started it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've learned alongside our managers in a lot of respects over the last 10 years. Um, I hope that answers your question. We can dig a little deeper yes. if you want. Yeah. Oh. So you have the um, you have the Norfolk location and the Smithfield location. When did you open the Smithfield location? When did you add that, and what went into that decision? So we opened that one. Uh, doors opened September seventeenth. I want to say two thousand seventeen. So seven years after, about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that. <laughs> My business partner uh, had moved, well, we, we both grew up in Smithfield, went to Smithfield High School, go Packers. Um, <laughs> and he moved, and then we spent most of our time in the big city of Norfolk and, oh, yeah. um, you know, Portsmouth for the, you know, next several years, of course, the two that I moved out to Louisville. Uh, but he and his family moved back out to Smithfield, Carrollton to be specific. Uh, and we're itching to have a cure closer to them. Uh, I, at the same time, recognized the population boom since we had left um, Smithfield, you know, after high school. Uh, I mean, just an absolute boom in population. Okay. And, and, and those, you know, were a lot of younger families who would prefer to uh, be entertained closer to home without having to cross the bridge. Um, as that's the term when go across the bridge, that's how we said it. You knew you were going out of Smithfield, um, but they would prefer to not cross the bridge. And um, so it just seemed 
like a good opportunity. Starbucks is not looking at Smithfield, although they had a little kiosk in the farm fresh uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. And there, so there was no real gourmet coffee shop experiences out there. Uh, and then you know, I insisted that if we're going to open one in Smithfield, it had better be in the downtown historic district. Um, and so that's why we kind of landed on the location that we that we found. And I'll say that my business partner, you know, he sort of shepherded most of most of that situation until it was time to do the build out. So I mm-hmm. give him, you know, credit. I love giving credit where credit is due. And to his credit, he found a great location right across the street from Smithfield Foods headquarters, a stone's throw from Warfield Brewing. Oh. Um, and right off Main Street in the historic downtown Smithfield, which gets considerable amount of tourist traffic. Right. So that was kind of how we made the decision to yeah. the field location. Yeah. Is, do you have any um, plans for anything in the future? Any other uh, locations or any ideas? Um, yeah. So we we were actually had rolled out this mobile coffee cart. Oh uh, yeah, I keep seeing that side of the business um, and that was really gaining traction um, pre-COVID. I mean, serious traction and it was such a blow to just all of a sudden have to pull the plug on this thing that you put a lot of time and effort and I built the cart my, by hand myself. Um, <clears throat> so we were, we were all proud of, um, of that initiative and then had to pull the plug because well, all of our clients canceled their events because mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, they had to. Um, so we're, we're actually gearing that back up. Uh, events, people are starting to hold events, probably gonna be smaller um, events for a while. And we're talking about, you know, corporate gatherings to okay. weddings to, you know, family reunions, whatever you can imagine uh, you would want a coffee cart at. Yeah. Um, so there's that initiative, and we're gearing that back up. I'm excited about that. I'm getting married next April, so I might have to oh, talk to you about that. Do, do please. Uh, it's all awesome. we love coffee, and as my fiance, that's probably the number one thing she likes. Yeah. So, so we recognized with that, we recognize that most uh, weddings and events have you know your typical Folgers or Aramark coffee in an urn <laughs> that look warm at best and taste yeah. awful. At, um, and so we wanted to bring the cure experience, not just the coffee, but the experience, you know, the, the aesthetic, um, the, the pleasant staff uh, who knows not only their coffee, but customer service, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, so that's the, the value proposition we wanted to deliver with that. Aside from the mobile, we are strongly considering a adding another location, um, which we were considering the space adjacent to Cure that used to be a yoga studio. Uh, we wanted to expand and open a bakery because we have the world's most awesome baker on our team and we want to help, you know, help her help us grow that side of the business. So we were going to expand and, and turn that space into a um, bakery. I'm not quite sure that is the best direction because if we're gonna put all that time and effort uh, and investment into an additional facility, maybe it's better if that facility is elsewhere um, so that we can expand our market. 
And so that's kind of the decision point that we're wrestling with now, as well as the fact that, you know, our margins have been crushed and continue to be crushed from COVID. And until we can get to profitability and sustained profitability again, what the heck is the point in opening up a new location that's going to operate at a loss? Yeah. And so, so that was, you know, our, our general manager, um, bless her, she's one of the most wonderful people I've ever known, um, you know, put it, put it bluntly, well, what is the, what's the milestone that we have to hit? Because they're so excited to, to expand um, with us and do this bakery and have uh, the baker Eugene, you know, an appropriate place to do her best work. Um, and so she, Bella asked me, what is the decision point and I said well when we have a month that we break even like let's just put it like that um so that's what we're hoping to expand but we're kind of in a precarious position like double down on business in an industry that has been crippled by this pandemic and will fundamentally be changed by it even if and when you know all these lockdowns are are truly lifted Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you guys, we were supposed to do this in your office and they closed it down again. So that is, you know, so much uncertainty right now. And, and, you know, you certainly don't want to adopt another, um, another facility and rent and overhead associated with it. If you are not able to operate at a reasonable profit with the existing facilities. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we're excited getting the new location. Oh yeah, especially Ghent. I mean, that's yeah, this is Ghent. So I'd love to have one. This is the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, but you know, you've always known me to be transparent, and Mm -hmm. so I'm happy to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, You know, keeping a healthy mental attitude is prime Uh, right now. Sometimes it's harder to do than others, but. um, but we're managing through it uh, and, and we wouldn't still be here if we weren't optimistic that things will be better after COVID. Who knows? I'm not sure if they will be, but we have that optimistic attitude and that's how we, you know, we're pursuing our, our growth ideas. Mm-hmm. I think that that's like an entrepreneurship characteristic. <laughs> I, that is probably yeah, I could describe, I don't know, a half dozen or maybe two dozen entrepreneurial characteristics, but optimism has to be one of them. Oh, you'd ima- yeah, you'd imagine. Well, it helps to have a pessimistic, um, you know, person in, in your business, right? Who, and I think that's one of the dynamics that uh, Mike and I share is I've always been more the optimist. In, well, I don't know. I guess it goes back and forth. It depends on what the- <laughs> what the thing is, you know, he was far more optimistic about the Smithfield location than I was, for example. Um, and I'm often far more optimistic about, uh, people in general than he is. So, you know, that, that push and pull, uh, leads to healthy, um, debate and healthy conflict. And I think healthy conflict, uh, certainly results in more success than, you know, somebody who's always in that agreement with you. You don't want to surround yourself with yes people. Um, I mean, sometimes it works, and I guess you can be successful at that. Yeah. But 
I haven't found it to be fulfilling um, to just, you know, have the world work at your whim. Yeah. No, <laughs> that makes sense to me too. Sorry, my dog just came in. He always likes to, once he hears people talking, he <laughs> finds where they're talking. <laughs> he wants some attention. No, he doesn't need attention. Dogs don't like attention, right? No, no, that's no. That's not that's fault. No. <laughs> so, uh, I wanted to also ask you or talk to you a little bit about your social media. Um, we actually had one of our uh, members, Casey McCoy of Create Captivate Digital Marketing, mm -hmm. did a Strive workshop on, um, it was pretty, the title was How to Be a Fan Favorite Business. And she picked a few examples out and Cure Coffee House was one of the examples that she identified as a fan favorite business. And if you're ever on, like, obviously you're on your Facebook page, but for anybody who's listening, when you go on, like, people like you guys. Like you yeah. have a dedicated following. Yeah. Um, that's exciting to have. How did you guys get that? Oh, um, we found the right person and uh, have kept that person in the right seat on the bus. Um, Carrie <laughs> Redman, give her all the, all the credit in our social media realm. Um, we've also found a, a great person out in Smithfield. Um, we, we actually kind of struggled um, for a little bit managing the, Social, two different social media accounts and two what we became to realize were two very different markets and um, demographics. So Smithfield is defined by the small town uh, sort of mentality. That's one of the reasons people move out there. Norfolk, however, is defined by the urban mentality and the reason people move there. And so Smithfield, like, um, we found that they appreciate a, a less um, refined approach, I guess, to social okay. media, graphic, things like that. Um, uh, whereas Norfolk, you know, definitely more refined. So in any case, um, we designated a person for Smithfield to uh, manage the bulk of their content right now. But Carrie, you know, has been the overarching um, social media guru for Cure, and you know she's really honed her skill at it. She enjoys the heck out of it, um, and you know the the lesson there is find the right person, put them in the right seat, and hopefully you're able to compensate them um, well that they stick around for a long time. And Carrie's been with us for seven, maybe eight years. Wow! Mm -hmm. And that wasn't her because she was doing something else. She has held every single position in the company, um, and, and we hope that we can continue to offer her challenging, um, you know, grow in, we have to grow the business to keep her on because she deserves to grow in her life and in her career, and we really, really want to support that, uh, again, in an industry that's struggling right now, um, but so... Yeah, we want to continue, you know, making sure that Cure is the place that she wants to be. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, to continue my theme of just bouncing around to different questions, uh, how's the outside seating going uh, in Norfolk? I heard you guys were expanding to outside. Yeah, so uh, how's that going? Norfolk, um, the city of, also working under COVID and having to pivot very quickly in the Virginia ABC. Uh, you know, has pivoted very quickly in ways that we're just dumbfounded by. Um, not quite sure why it was so 
taboo to like have a drink outside um, before COVID. But uh, anyway, it changes like this so quickly. It makes you like, well, why couldn't we have done it before? If you could do it like a snap of the finger and yeah, it's yeah. Just, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, crowd herd mindset, I guess. In any case, yeah. Um, yeah. So we, you know, Norfolk made the decision to kind of just open it up. Like you don't need to go through the official encroachment process. Uh, just throw some seats out there, basically, and, and Virginia ABC said throw a rope up around it and you're good to go. So we did that, um, much like just about every other restaurant that had a sidewalk or, you know, area around their facility. And, uh, and that, you know, has definitely helped bring people back. And we had two seats out there before, but now I think we were, you know, somewhere near like 10 or so. Still, um, you know, difficult to, to keep the six foot distance between the tables and increase our capacity. Uh, we've also opened up the inside again. Again, like many restaurants uh, still, you know, it is, <clears throat> it is imperative that we and our staff as individuals take the responsibility necessary to uphold the standards and guidelines expected not only of the customers, but of the Commonwealth of Virginia and the common good of the people, regardless how any individual thinks about COVID and all these mask wearing and PPE requirements and having to wipe things down on the hour, um, regardless how we as individuals feel about that, it is our responsibility as a restaurant right now to uphold those standards. Um, it's been difficult, it's been trying and challenging, uh, but I think, you know, by and large, our staff has risen to, uh, to the occasion. And so opening up the inside, you know, was, was very, we were very hesitant to do that, but our team cobbled together, you know, some standards and procedures and signage and I think retail lines may have helped with some of that signage or city of Norfolk. Um, and, uh, and we were able to open up the inside However, at, you know, maybe a quarter of the capacity that we had before. Mm -hmm. And did you also do like the extra things like curbside or introduce delivery or anything like that? Yeah, so we had actually invested in um, moving to, you know, adopting some online ordering delivery through Grubhub capabilities um, prior to COVID. And of course, then, you know, this, gave way to double down doubling down on those initiatives so yes we already had infrastructure in place um, but we we did additionally adopt doordash which was a very trying experience might i add um, <clears throat> doordash is the only uh delivery service in smithfield so it adopted doordash as well um and grubhub in norfolk and curbside we actually a business partner had a brilliant idea to put a baby monitor at the door yeah. and the other end of it at the cash register. I saw a picture of that. <laughs> what a cheap way to do that instead of getting some expensive security system or cameras installed. Uh-huh. That's it, great. It worked. I hope it, the baby wasn't missing it at home. <laughs> well, we knew that this would probably be a temporary situation, so investing in some infrastructure to, you know, for a thousand dollars or something to support something that will hopefully be temporary just didn't seem to make sense. Oh, yeah. And I, th I think people got a kick out of that, and it certainly beat like 
you know, having them call our number and they're on the phone. And, you know, that's just another point of friction between the, you know, customer and them getting what they are here for. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think, I think what's going to be key for our industry and our business um, is to reduce that friction in light of, of all the COVID guidelines and, you know, social changes um, that we've experienced. So how do we, how do we maintain safety, et cetera, and still make for a good cost, a good, you know, ex exceptional is what we strive for customer experience, you know, cause that's what they're, that's what they're cure for. They're not there just for a coffee. Um, by and large, they're there because of the place and the people. Yeah, I've done it's really hard to deliver on that in, you know, COVID guidelines. Yeah. If that is there, the differentiating factor, and it is, I suppose, across retail for small business, it's like that experience, it's the in-store, it's the customer service. If you can't have that, <laughs> then what sets you apart? Mm -hmm. you know, so you yeah. definitely have to try and introduce it somehow or get it back or, yeah, it, it's going to be tough for a little while. Did you, yeah. are you going to keep any of the initiatives like the curbside pickup and stuff like that? Are you going to keep it? Uh, I, I suppose there's, you know, a better argument for keeping it than doing away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's significantly more labor intensive to manage the curbside pickup because mm -hmm. that is removing a person from uh, behind the bar or the kitchen, the production area. Um, very r routinely right and and you know it's just anyway it's labor intensive to to manage that um certainly like we've kept a area um that we keep exceptionally clean uh to put like call-in orders okay on, so basically a pickup station yeah um, is what they've created there i said they that's our manager's idea um and i think it's a good one uh, so rather than having um, us come out and deliver it to them at the door, which we still will do, you know, for those who are supremely concerned um, about, you know, their safety, I guess, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll still do it at the door. We've always, you know, bent to the customer's will. And that's, I think, good customer service in general. So yeah, if they say, can you meet me at the door? Yeah, we'll do that. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're going to double down on curbside. I think that, uh, you know, sociologically, that mentality is probably going to revert back to the mean. Um, and people are, you know, by and large going to be perfectly comfortable walking in a door mm -hmm. and picking up their order, even if they're, um, you know, more, more cautious than others might be. Mm -hmm. But I'll say it has been... It has just been awesome to see people enjoying themselves inside of the facility. Oh yeah, I bet. It was um, heartbreaking pretty much, you know, initially to come in and see no customers whatsoever. Our employees are wearing masks. The place is a wreck because it didn't have to be pretty. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> chairs and tables were pushed in a corner and stuff and, and we set the facility up. Uh, for expedited service in, you know, curbside pickup capacity and stuff. And so that's what we were optimizing for. But the place, you know, for 
um, from pre-COVID looked like a wreck and it was just, you know, such a stark contrast, but to see customers come back in and smile and sit down and enjoy the company of others, uh, that's really been uplifting in the last yeah. couple of weeks. It sounds like that was your original, you know, when you started the business, that part of it was, a, you know, one of the main reasons why you opened. Well, <laughs> I think so. That was one of the, I guess we didn't really think about that um, initially, the reason we opened it was to make some money. Uh, <laughs> but we, you know, of the two, we actually achieved having customers enjoying it. Um, and every dime we've ever made on it, we've rolled back into it. So yeah. hence the first part of the conversation where we've kept day jobs um, the entire time that we've been open. Mm -hmm. So, Well, we are getting close to time. Kyle, any uh, last question? No, I'm sure there probably is, but you know, nothing comes to mind right now. It's been really interesting talking to you, Chris. Thank you. Definitely. Chris, well, anything you'd like to say? Well, I mean, primarily I appreciate you guys um, continuing to support small business, uh, especially Cure. You've, uh, Kylie, you personally um, shepherded a couple of media, uh, you know, free press situations with News Channel 3, I think, and um, inside business we were on the front page of that um, and that is you know really been retail alliance um, has been so helpful in that regard and uh, that's a good thing because we just received our bill for our membership in the email this morning oh, so, that <laughs> so that'll be coming in place soon. Um, no I really appreciate all that you guys are doing and, and you know this podcast has been uh, fun to be on, fun to listen to. I hope you guys keep doing it and that your listenership continues to grow with it. Oh, and the sound is starting to cut up just at the right. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I had to say. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, thank yeah, you very much, Chris, for, for being right. on. And uh, we'll, we'll talk can... to you soon. Okay. All right. Thank you. Peace. See you, Peace. guys.